0: Amen. Well, I want you to know, God has already released his word this morning, amen? I'm not trying to do a double dip, but the only way I like to lead worship is saturated in the scriptures. Because we're not singing in the thin air, we're not singing based on popular opinion, we're singing to the one who has concretely revealed himself in his word, and in particular through the living word, Jesus Christ, amen? Thank you, Amen. So I'm not going to do a big gnarly teaching. Um, I don't think it's I don't feel like it's appropriate. I want to just give faith to those who are in a hard place, and that doesn't mean everyone's in a hard place, but some are. And um, and so I just wanted to share a story. I I I back before um, how many years ago would it have been? Goodness. I mean, we're talking 10 years, I don't, it's been years ago. I used to travel around the country and, and preach and lead worship, and, and I was on my way with two of my best friends, John and Josh Sparrow. We were going to Idaho, which apparently a lot of Californians are going to. I'm just kidding. That's supposed to be a joke, not funny. Uh, that's actually kind of funny. Um, and so we're driving to Idaho, and we're at that ugly part of Oregon you know, where it's just flat, it's just all kind of gray. Sorry if that part of Oregon is beautiful to you. I think I was going through Oregon. I may have my map messed up. Maybe it was a part of, in fact, let me just open the map just so I don't feel like a doofus here. Just uh, hang out among yourself. I'm just shrinking the map real quick. Yeah, of course I went through Oregon, duh, yes. We went through Oregon, the ugly part of Oregon. And I never forget this, beloved, I was driving to Oregon I knew I had we had a revival we were gonna teach and preach and lead worship for in this church. And and um you know I don't remember very many teachings in my life. That doesn't mean I haven't heard great teachings. Um <clears throat> but um I remember the word. Amen. And I remember we were driving, we were just kind of, you know, at that point we're eight or nine hours into the trip, so we're kind of got that. You know you know what I mean when you're in a long road trip and you start getting squirrely and kind of delirious. Am I talking to anyone? And you just feel a little bit like, hey, when are we gonna get here? And I had my audio Bible on and it was Luke's gospel. That's what was playing on the radio. I had the scriptures playing. And I still remember John was driving. I don't think we would have trusted Josh to drive. I was in the passenger seat because I remember as I was listening to the scripture, I was struck in my heart and I had to take a note. Anyone ever have that happen where you're listening to the word or you're reading the word and the Holy Spirit strikes you? That's what we call a rhema word. When the the written word becomes living, it's always living. All of it's useful for teaching, reproof, et cetera. We know those verses. But my goal, you wanna know my secret of, of building a devotional life, read until, a word hits you. Amen. Chad, how long does that take? Well, however long it takes. Yes, Amen? Yes, He's faithful to speak. So one of my little one-liners, and, and it doesn't have to be dramatic, don't, don't uh, Hollywoodize it, but how many would just n- understand what I mean when a word leaps off the word? Yes, sir. That's your rhema, that's your bread. Chew on it. You, don't, you can read ahead if you want, but I like to camp where he speaks personally. And I still remember this passage marked me a decade ago, a decade ago in Luke seven. I think it's relevant for our family in this room, spiritual family and those who couldn't make it today because of sickness or otherwise. It says in, in Luke seven. Um, first of all, uh, let's read the, co- the context. Jesus just said in Luke six, verse 40, a disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully qualified will be like the teacher. So what is the point? If you're a disciple of Jesus, what is the telos of your faith? What is the bullseye? What are you aiming at? Not a trick question. Say it with me, Jesus. Jesus, it is enough for the disciple who is fully qualified or another Bible verse or another translation, fully trained, is to be like the teacher. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 23, we have one teacher, his name is Jesus Christ. The Teacher, capital T. So that's the context. He's been talking about how, what discipleship looks like, what life in the kingdom of God looks like. And then he gives the infamous, beautiful passage in Luke 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? No one like that in this room, obviously. I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and then puts them into practice. That one is like man building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood arose, the river burst against that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. Everyone say well built. But the one who hears and does not put into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against it, immediately it fell, and great was the ruin of that house. So that's the context of our story. Jesus has been teaching. It's Luke's equivalent kind of of the Sermon on the Mount. They call it the Sermon on the Plain. That's the context. Jesus has been teaching, teaching, teaching. After this, Jesus had finished all of these sayings, verse one, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly, and he was ill and close to death. I'm not speaking that illness is close to death, but just go with me, the principle of the story. Um, for those watching, you're like, "Jeez, no. Just When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly saying, he or this man, the centurion, is worthy, everyone say worthy, of having you do this for him. For he loves our people, and it is he who built a synagogue for us. So this centurion, though he's not, he's not a Jewish man, he's a good man. I don't have any way of proving, is this the centurion in Acts chapter 10? I can't prove that. I wouldn't even attest that, but we know the centurion in Acts chapter 10 is a upright, devout man who has a lifestyle of prayer and gives to the poor. Could it be the same centurion? I don't know. Luke wrote Luke and Acts. Could be. So this is a good man by all intents and purposes. But listen to the language, and I'm telling you, it's as fresh as it was 10 years ago when I was driving through the ugly part of Oregon. Listen to the Jewish people who are coming to Jesus, listen to the reasons they think Jesus should go do what he says, do what he needs. This man is worthy of having you do this, so he deserves it. He loves our people, so he lo- like he's, one of, he's, like, he's favorably disposed to the Jewish people, which is not a small thing if you're a Jew under Roman occupancy. And he also built a synagogue, which was the, the bustling center of all of life in Jesus's generation, of the, the Jewish life. The synagogue was the center of everything. This guy's pretty good. And Jesus went with them. And apparently Jesus thought, all of these reasons are good enough for me, I guess, to go and heal him. Right? For he was, when he was not far from the house the centurion sent his friends to say to them, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, that's why I did not even presume to come to you (laughs) but only speak the word and let my servant be healed. What's well, unbelievable. This man is worthy. The, the, I, I, I was driving in the past. I still remember when this passage pierced my heart. It's, that's what's so cool about it. All of the reasons we think Jesus should do something for us or for someone we love, they're worthy, their track record, their 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 uh, uprightness, their um this whole laundry list of those we think God, like, should should get, you know, something from God. The man sequentially refutes every reason he thinks he deserves for his servant to be healed. I'm not worthy, I didn't even, that's why I didn't even think you should come, your person, your nature, your character, which evokes the sense of humility, amen? They all are saying, I know that he loves our synagogue, the Jewish people, bless their hearts. He loves us, he loves our synagogue, he built it. He's worthy, if anyone's worthy, this guy's worthy of healing Jesus and his, his servant, slave that he loves. But this guy says, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. That's why, and look at this word, I didn't even, pres- Therefore, I did not presume to even come to you, but only speak the word. Say that with me, but only speak the word and let my servant be healed. And then he he releases breathtaking revelation of how the kingdom of God works and its authority. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And I say to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowds that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health it's a breathtaking story it's pretty self-explanatory but the principles i think are the biggest thing that i want to see us grab a hold of today the things that we think move jesus namely our deeds or our works do those things matter to jesus our, our, our attitudes mattered, let me be clear. Like faith, it's, you're not saved by your works, but faith works, amen? Like show me your faith without deeds, James says. But the thing that moves Jesus that we get from this story, he's just taught about his kingdom in, in Luke chapter six. He's talked about those who put his word into practice. He's talked about like the goal of being a disciple is to become like the teacher. And this man who's not even in the Jewish He's not even in the covenant family. He's operating out of the operating system of the kingdom and it causes Jesus's jaw to drop. Like if Jesus amazes you, that's a good day. And and, and listen, this is why it's so significant, but also in the gospel narrative in Mark chapter six, Jesus was amazed at his own neighborhood's lack of faith. So two things amazed Jesus, lack of faith, and faith, and in this story, this posture of Lord, I don't deserve it. I don't consider myself worthy based on any of my works or any of my good deeds or any of what I've done for the Jewish people or anything. That's why I didn't even come to you, but I acknowledge I'm a soldier that has soldiers under me. I acknowledge Jesus by virtue of my own confession. I am, my authority is subservient to the authority that you release when you release your word. Amen. And so he says, say the word and my servant will be healed. And what I want just to leave us with as we, um, it was a real thing. I called, I tried to call every board member yesterday. I, I, I wanna just go on record. I wanna just share my heart for a second. Um, God is so gracious. Can we just all say amen and merciful? When COVID first hit, whatever it was, what are we now? Was it 20 something months ago? Someone help me, March. We're almost coming up on two years. Yippee, not an anniversary we're celebrating, okay? But so many of us didn't know what to do. In fact, I was talking to my good friend from Phoenix, Rick. He's preached here before. You know, there was so much unknown and uncertainty. And as a church, we did the best that we could to respond and to be agile and adaptive. Amen. And God honored that, I think. And other churches had different opinions and theories and practices. And praise God, we all will answer to Jesus someday. And all of us are doing the best that we can. But something about this one, obviously, if you got my, the church email, several have COVID, several have been, are, are sick. Um, and so it caused me to go, gosh, what do we do, Lord? Um, do we just go online? I am for online ministry, praise God, it's awesome. I, that's why we invested, I personally in cameras and the church in cameras and why we do all that we do and why we try to get everything so that people can join us no matter their state or condition or where they even live, amen? But something about this Omicron and this wave, when I started getting the text messages yesterday of various people being sick, I could feel that thing start to crawl up. Do I acknowledge this is a real sickness? Yes, because too many I know and love have battled it or have been, it's not gone well for them. I'm I'm not blind to a real sickness that's going on. But something about when I started getting the text yesterday and in the last few days of sicknesses and things, was like, well, the reason I chose the wording for the email was I think I made it self-explanatory. I don't, and I called my daddy, and he's, for whatever it's worth, he was, he was like, yes, son. Um, for those of you who are like, well, why are we in person? Well, because of this, I always wanna give people a chance to gather in the name of Jesus and to use their authority and their volition and will to make choices based on their own conscience before God. Amen. Does that make sense? So us gathering is not a small thing in my mind. I was close. That's why I started calling it. I tried to get a hold of every board member to get the just to get everyone on the same page and most agreed it would be okay, Chad, if we just went all actually all of them, the ones I got a hold of, would say, "Yeah, let's just do online." It's fine. But even after i tried and and, and called and texted, something in me was like, there is a word that carries authority above every human word. And I'm not doing God versus science, I'm not doing that right now, you have to hear me. Or, Or CDC versus, but what I'm saying is I always wanna be a man, and I always wanna be a church that yes, we love our neighbor well, We do whatever it takes. You saw my email, you know, interaction based on what was mutually agreed upon. I think that's love. We honor each other, we defer to each other. We're smart, that's why not many are here in the room. If we have symptoms or we feel sniffles, that's just common courtesy. Just be safe, be smart. But what I felt why this passage was so significant is because as believers, yes, sickness is real, yes, Viruses are real, but there is a word that carries weight and authority above every other word, whether it's steeped in data or not, and it's the word that flows from the mouth of Jesus Christ. And please tell me, that's not either or, it's just a, there is a word higher than every word. And if you're not here in this room and you're watching on, that doesn't mean you don't believe in the word. Give me a break, I would, that's ridiculous. I would never say that. But I just, as a church, you know, I don't think the days ahead of us are going to get easier. I think there's gonna perpetually ramp up reasons for us not to gather, be it in person or online because of censorship, (laughs) right? But I wanna say, as a church, we believe, and whether you're in this room or not, I'm sure you believe there is a word that carries more weight and authority. It's the word of Jesus Christ. And that word of Jesus has power to save sinners. Amen? Amen. To rescue those enslaved by sin, to heal broken bodies, to raise the dead, give sight to the blind, hearing for the deaf, strength for the lame. Amen? That's what what we sang about for 45 minutes and not just saying we declared God's promises. And so what I just wanted to say as a church, whether you're in this room or not, If you're in Christ, Christ does not do his kingdom thing because of your pedigree, because of your talent, because of your works. Christ's word carries authority and that authority is released through humble, God bent, reliant faith. I am a man under authority. We all have some level of authority, whether it's over our families, in our workplace, or in our world, but there is an authority above all of our authorities, and that authority rests upon the shoulders of King Jesus. And the words that he still speaks through his written word and through the rhema word and through this, the word that he's been speaking through his, to his church and through his church for 2,000 years, that word is the ultimate word that shapes our reality. Let me say that again, his word will always be the primary word that shapes our reality. And then we'll do the best that we can with the spirit of humility and discernment and discretion on how to then carry out his word with humble, God-reliant faith, amen? Does that make sense? Can you just all shake your head at me? And so that's when I thought about this passage and just even gathering today and and just making it available to be online or in person. I just wanna go on record, I'm not reckless, but I want to, not every pastor does this and I have no stinkiness in my heart. I I think that's pretty obvious. My heart is laid bare before you and before the Lord, but I always wanna give you guys the choice, amen. Um, to partner with the Holy Spirit and to do what seems right according to God's word and your conscience. Is that clear? Can you say amen? We're going to do the best. We will do the best that we can. And so that for those wondering, you know, about the email, I just wanted to honestly speak to it. The words were chosen very carefully. Um, There's no faith shaming from my heart. Give me a break. Um, But I believe that even today, for those who are struggling with fear or with legitimate sickness in their body, Jesus's word has authority to heal. Amen, Jesus authority has the power to stop symptoms and to cause them to backpedal. Come on, Jesus's word and his authority is released not by us working ourselves up, but like this centurion, to acknowledge where ultimate authority derives from. And I want you to know that authority is Jesus Christ and the word of his kingdom. And later when when John the Baptist was arrested and then beheaded, beheaded, John asked for proof. You know, I don't blame him. He's about ready to lose his life. Like, I wanna make sure I did not back the wrong Messiah. And what did Jesus tell John's disciples to go back and to tell John? Go tell him, come on, baby. The blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the gospel is preached to the poor. And then Jesus said this phrase that's breathtaking. Blessed is the one who does not stumble on account of me. What does that mean? That just because we believe his word carries ultimate authority, we also trust, trust the wisdom and sovereignty of God, that he has a plan and a purpose that transcends our little lives. And in John's case, it cost him his life. And in many believers case, it's costing their life all over the earth, but certainly in various ways in workplaces by, by choosing to say Jesus is the ultimate authority of my life. And so I wanna say this unapologetically, the same Jewish Messiah that walked the hillsides of Israel still carries the ultimate word of authority over the the planet, over all of creation. And we get to access that authority and power by no work of our own, but by faith and trust that he is who he says he is and he still does what he's promised he will do. When Jesus heard the faith that this man carried, and you think, what was his faith? He basically said, I don't deserve, I'm not worthy to even come to you, just say the word. So you may be going, "Chatty. what kind of state do I need to be in to access the authority and the power that Jesus Christ carries. And this is a pretty good picture. Jesus, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your word is true. There's power in your name for sin, for sickness, for disease, for death, for decay. I'm not worthy to receive any of it, but just say the word. And I want to be be able to receive the word of your promise so that your word can have its way in and through my life. And I love verse 10. When the men who had been sent returned to his house, they found the servant well. So can we just end and oh, by, by the way, I love the next story. Let's just read it really quick. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd went along with them as they approached the town gate. A dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, "Don't cry." Then he went up and touched the buyer where they were carrying the dead man on and the bearer stood still. He said, everyone say he said. No, oh, come on. He said, said. Young, man, young man, I say to you, get up. get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave back him back to his mother. And I love that Luke put that story right next to Jesus and the centurion. Say the word. And so what we wanna do unapologetically to end our time is that Jesus would speak the word of his authority and that any person out there would have the posture of the centurion. It's not because I'm worthy. It's not because I read enough, did enough, went to the right school. God, I am a God-reliant, humble, needy person that believes your word still carries authority for whatever I need this morning. Do you agree with that? Whatever I need, I know it's found in you, Jesus. That's why we read of the blessings in Psalm 103, right? That's why why I quoted Ephesians 1, verse 3 through at least 5 or 6. That's why we're reading this story. Jesus Christ carries ultimate authority, and his is the word that ultimately shapes and sustains our ultimate view for life. His word. And anything in my life that's not in agreement with his word, we want to bring right now and say no, whatever it is, sin, sickness, depression, discouragement, despair, bend your knee to the authority that is ultimate in my life, the person of Jesus Christ. So can we just stand to our feet? I'm going to close there. I want to close right there. Pride, self-interest, presumption do not move god's heart the greatest in the kingdom is like a child and what are children good at well let me tell you i've got four of them asking unashamedly right and they don't just ask once come on somebody they keep asking they wear you down can i just be honest anyone else get worn down where eventually you're just like okay sure Guys, if we though evil know how to give good gifts to our kiddos, how much more is our Papa in heaven, the one that we call Abba by virtue of our adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ? How much more does the Father in humble, God-dependent faith, like the centurion, we wanna pray all together, God, release the word that carries your authority right now. So let's just pray that, in your own language, in your own way, let's spend thirty seconds and just pray this passage over those in this room and those who couldn't be with us this morning. Go ahead, lift your cry. It's all according to His word, all according to His promises. Release your authority, God. Heal this sick right now. Your word carries ultimately. Father, we pray right now, release faith of verse nine right now. I've not found faith so great even in Israel. God, we're asking that where fear has crept in, don't be ashamed, don't be condemned. But Lord, I'm asking that you would you'd shift the scales in every house and every heart. That faith would rise in the hearts and minds and lives of every single one of your sons and daughters. Faith in who you are, faith in what you've done, faith in your promises, faith in your provision, faith in your power, faith in your ultimate purpose never being derailed because King Jesus carries ultimate authority. It may not always go the way we want it as we see in John the Baptist. But God, we thank you that your ministry continues today, the ministry of healing, the ministry of saving, and the ministry of rescuing in Jesus' mighty name. So loose the power of your word, we all said, in the name of Jesus. Loose the authority of your word, God. I pray, even now, give somebody a promise. Highlight a verse. Highlight a, a, a passage that gives them faith to simply ask and to believe that you've done what you've said you would do. It says in Acts 10, this, again, Luke wrote this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So God, we're asking that that doing good and healing in the power of the spirit would be released over your body right now. All over our central coast, all over California. God, strengthen your people. Those who are in the fight of faith, would you come and bring reinforcements of encouragement and grace right now? We ask, just change the story. Shift the scale and the balance, Lord, we bind, I bind as your son, as your, as your friend, Lord, I bind the spirit of fear and despair in the name of Jesus. And I ask God that you would lose faith to just believe the authority of your word. We're not reckless or careless. We wanna love you with all that we are and love our neighbor as you've loved us, Jesus. We wanna put others' needs above our own. And so, Father, I'm asking that this, this word, the word of your name, the power of your name to be released in and through our spiritual family and those that they love. Father, we thank you. We ask that we would just be like the centurion, that we would amaze you by our simple faith that is not steeped in pride or our own, look at us, but like him, we would say, Lord, we just humbly acknowledge yours is the ultimate authority. Your name and your word carry weight that nothing else can measure. So Lord, loose your word this morning over all of our spiritual family, and all of, over all of their households in the mighty name of Jesus. We all said, amen, amen. Bless you guys, I love you. Reach out to us online if you need prayer, bless you. We'll see you guys really, really soon. We're praying for you.